0: This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. I got the brand of the moment, the brand of the pandemic, the word of mouth, king brand, Crocs, everybody's favorite shoe. And with us today, we have Michelle Poole, who's the president of Crocs, and she's here to tell us all the marketing secrets that go on at Crocs. Hello, Michelle, and welcome to our show. Hi there, and thank you for having me today. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about the history of Crocs and how you came in as a role of president. And meantime, everybody in the audience and here can think of their own Crocs story, because that's the funny thing about it. People have Crocs stories.
1: Yeah, let me uh, let me tell you a story about Crocs. So Crocs was created back in 2002. It was actually created by three friends who um, understood um, and knew about kind of foam resin products. And they basically created, they were all uh, fanatics about boating and they created um, a different kind of boat shoe. They were looking for a product they could wear uh, on deck that would be lightweight, that would float, uh, that was super, super comfortable. Um, And they actually came up with the very first product, which was the clog that we know today right? The very simple, easy on, easy off silhouette with a back strap. So that is how uh, the brand was created. So going back to America's story, and my story is more
0: about like 20 something. So it's a different age group. I'm kind of curious, like from the beginning and over time, was it historically a children's shoe, an adult shoe? Or I mean, what were the influencers that picked it up first?
1: So I think it, yeah, it started off as an adult shoe. Um, the, the three founders certainly weren't focused on solving a footwear, you know, problem or opportunity in the kids space. But um, I too am actually someone. I have a, a son whose very first shoes um, were Crocs, and the very first pair of shoes that he could put on himself, and the very first pair of Crocs that were in our household. So um, I too have a similar experience, but. Um, yeah, there were very there were very many entry points into Crocs. Um, it was adopted by the outdoor community who loved p- Crocs as an après sort of activity product. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, adopted by the the trendy kids who wanted something brand new and, and that was at the time nice. something that was viewed as outlandish. <laughs> Um, it was adopted by parents. It was certainly adopted by the healthcare industry and the food mm-hmm. and beverage um, community oh, uh, who spend um, many, many uh, long hours and long days on their feet. Mm-hmm. So there were many entry points into Crocs.
0: You know, and then Maricus's story had something to do with the holes in the shoe. And I remember thinking also, I've seen little kids stick little jewels in those holes. I mean, I think some of the holes are kind of, I I don't know how much of that was proactive marketing, or as Maricus started in the beginning, word of mouth, and you just followed the trends. Like, so I know there was a time where people were decorating their crocs with little jewels. Yes. And who started that organic or?
1: So I'm glad you asked me that question. This is actually a big part of the secret sauce of crocs. So the little things that go in the holes are called gibbets. Mm -hmm. Um, And gibbets (laughs) were not an original part of the founder's vision. The way that gibbets came about, um, and they now represent a pretty sizable part of our overall business, the way they came about was that a... um, Uh, A couple in, actually, again, in Boulder, Colorado, um, uh, were actually creating these for kids to put in their shoes. And Crocs ended up actually buying the company from them and and integrating gibbets into the overall product range and the overall brand. So gibbets today um, have really turned into a, a unique selling proposition for Crocs and a little bit of our secret sauce because we are the only footwear brand that consumers can customize on the spot and it enables them to really express who they are, their uh, their passions, um, their affiliations, Mm -hmm. right? They can put their name, they can put put their favorite emojis, they can put flags, they can put pets, you know, there's no end to um, the ways we can bring kind of consumers' passions to life through charms. And uh, it's it's uh, becoming an increasingly important way of engaging consumers and bringing them back to our brand over and over again.
0: I mean, a lot of brands were winners and losers during the pandemic. Like a lot of the nostalgic yeah. brands, for example, in the grocery ended up being winners. You know, people were staying home, eating Campbell's soup and, and Oreo cookies. And I would call Crocs an example of a winner in the pandemic. I, it was popular before the pandemic, certainly, but... But I think it grew in popularity, if I'm not wrong, during the pandemic. And I was wondering if you did any proactive marketing campaigns to take advantage of that um, opportunity.
1: Yeah, Barbara, the pandemic's been a very interesting time for Crocs. Um, As you say, um, not everyone um, thrived through the pandemic. It created a lot of challenges out there. But um, Crocs did indeed... um, you know, perform really well through the pandemic. And I think there were a couple of reasons. I think, um, first, we had been working on a brand turnaround for several years um, before 2020. So we, we actually had momentum, brand momentum, going into the pandemic. And then I would say, secondly, um, we chose to take a pretty uh, uh, offensive stance during the pandemic and we were able to do a couple of things we firstly were able to really communicate the relevant values of our product during the pandemic so the fact that our product can be wiped clean the mm-hmm. fact that you can take your product on and off without touching mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. easy to clean right um that was a really big advantage. And and then the second thing we did is we started to hear from um, consumers that the healthcare industry were really finding a use for Crocs. People Mm. were reaching out and saying, is there any way you could donate some Crocs to our Uh hospital, et cetera. Uh So Uh we kicked into gear um, and within 45 days of um, of the pandemic hitting. We set up a free pair for healthcare program, which was essentially Ah. an opportunity for us to get um, free Crocs into the hands of the frontline workers who most needed Uh,
0: it—heroes of the moment. (laughs) Yeah, and we
1: were actually able to donate almost nine hundred thousand pairs. So we started it sort of day one, just to we just started it, kicked it off, and said, "What would happen if?" Right. You know, it's a great way, right? In marketing, you think about what might happen if we did this, and um, the consumers responded. We had uh, huge lines online for our. We had a lot of people in the waiting room, getting waiting to subscribe um, for a free pair. So we kept going, and um, over over a month and a half, we were able to donate all of those pairs. But, you know, talking
0: more about marketing, I want to talk a little bit about some of your advertising campaigns and your celebrity things that you've done. One of the campaigns that I actually use in my class, I talk a lot about shape. And one of the famous ads, uh, young people don't even know these ads anymore, but maybe you guys remember them, the absolute bottle ad was a a campaign, Mm -hmm. a print campaign that was built on the shape of the bottle for 10 years. And I saw a Crocs campaign that was was, was um, promoting
1: the shape of the shoe, it reminded me of the absolute um, ad. Yeah, so um so I'd love to yeah, I'd love to tell you a little bit about that. So um when I came into the brand in 2014, one of our highest priorities for the brand was to establish relevance. Mm. It, we did not have an awareness problem, right? Mm-hmm. So let me just kind of talk you through that. So we have unbelievable brand awareness, and we mm-hmm. did back then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right? You could draw the silhouette of a of a clog, and people knew it was Crocs. Mm-hmm. The challenge was we had a relevance problem, which is that more people than not, many, many more people um, than not said, Crocs isn't for me. I know what Crocs is. Crocs mm. is that ugly clog, and that clog is not for me. Mm. So, Barbara, you're right. Um, back the the uh, the campaign you're talking about was launched back into the end of 2015, where we were actually um, creating advertising campaign, creating really beautiful assets around the silhouette of our clog, and what we were really very intentionally setting out to do was to tell people this is. This is the silhouette we stand for and we embrace it. And over the years, we have made, we have really driven our, the majority of our brand investment dollars and our activities around driving that relevance to a point now where we have product collaborations online selling out in seconds Mm. and a number of minutes. Because and we have lines outside stores of people queuing up, so digitally and physically queuing up to get the hands on on a clog.
0: So so you have partnered with some celebrities and designers. And can you talk a little bit about those collabs and and why you chose to do them and what what the strategy was behind some of that?
1: Yeah, so Barbara, it's a a really important strategy. And we believe it's been a, a critical part of our success over the last few years, So Crocs cannot claim um, to own collaborations. Collaborations aren't unique to Crocs. They are, I would say, uh, if done well, they are a proven lever for uh, brands to become more relevant, more exciting, more accepted. Um, So it was absolutely my intention coming into the brand to to find a way to create some collaborations. The challenge was that no one wanted to take our calls. When I first joined, (laughs) Crocs was in a place where literally... If we could even get hold of someone, no one was calling us back. Mm. So um, we were lucky enough to partner with a couple of fashion brands who actually wanted to partner with us because of the, I would say, kind of low market position we had. So um, very early on, back in 2015, so very early in our brand turnaround, we did partnerships with Christopher Kane, a British fashion brand, Mm. and Balenciaga, Mm. uh, a French luxury brand. And both of those brands saw something in our clog that appealed to them, that it was sort of a basic item. And they transformed it on their runways as part of their fashion collections. And people started to take a second look at Crocs. It was a sort of gentle second look. It was, maybe there's something happening. Mm. Um, But that actually triggered um, uh, an ability for us to start working with a whole host of partners because, you know, Balenciaga sets a pretty high bar and people really started to reevaluate our brand. And so at that point, uh, from that point onwards, we started to really create a uh, nonstop pipeline of collaborations. And we looked at partners, we looked for partners who would say something new about our product. Uh, I always believe in the um, in the funky math of one plus one equals three with collaborations. I Mm -hmm. believe that if you can bring two partners together um, and they're the right partners, um, you can really create something very exciting and exceptional in the marketplace. And that's what we've really um, striven to do. We've we've strived to um, bring something new for the consumer. So whether it was Balenciaga, whether it was Kentucky Fried Chicken, (laughs) whether Vera Bradley, whether it was Post Malone, each of these collaborations has ultimately benefited the consumer by bringing some really exciting product um, to the market.
0: That is fantastic, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. And where
1: can our listeners go to keep up with you and everything going on at Crocs? Absolutely. So crocs.com is our, is our website. So um, the best of the brand is housed on crocs.com. You'll also um, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, tiktok and some very exciting content there um oh, basically any any linkedin um if anyone listening is looking for a career at prox we're hiring so oh, nice. check out check out our careers page on prox.com for more insight from business radio please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu